like one of my professors said, if I knew what I was going to do in 10 years, I would probably do it now. And it really like made me think about this. Like, actually, if you have like certain plans, why don't you just like make it happen right now at this moment? This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. Together, we will break all the stereotypes about Ukrainians so that when the flag of Ukraine is lifted anywhere in the world, everyone will know Ukraine and its unique culture because today, Ukraine has a dynamic new generation that will change the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. And thank you. Thank you all so much for the support. More than 230 people participated in this project for Ukraine. From the vice president of the Helen Marlin Group to the vice chancellor of the UGCC Church, to the president of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the president of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Ukraine Global Scholars, Yale University, Harvard, and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. So if you wish to participate, send me a message on Instagram at aziz.future and join the Telegram channel, Kiev Future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 50 in the United Kingdom, France, Switzerland, and Monaco, top 25 in Austria, Germany, Canada, Russia, and Poland, top 15 in Australia, Italy, Spain, and Dubai, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, the Netherlands, South Korea, Singapore, and many other places because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people. And this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Nika Rudenko. Nika is a sophomore student at Harvard University with a concentration in integrative biology and a secondary in psychology. Nika is a Flex alumna of 2018, a winner of the National Biological Olympiad, and an alternative candidate for the International Biological Olympiad a research assistant and the co-author of Archaeological Articles, a Camp Model United Nations Ukraine counselor, the initiator of an autism awareness campaign, and a blog writer about education and the application process to U.S. universities. Born in Donetsk, Nika enjoys gaining knowledge and skills, so studying is her top priority and it keeps her busy too. Still, she enjoys meeting new people and traveling, which will expand even more after the pandemic. Her favorite quote is, in as much as the future is always surprising, the past is always changing by James Carse. 
Nika, how are you today? I'm great, Aziz. Thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic, happy, ready, and I wish to begin with your emotional side. I want to connect with your soul. So I want to know, the Nika, that when you want to forget all troubles, to feel truly alive, to experience your favorite emotions, what do you like to do? I love to socialize, so I really enjoy meeting people and hanging out with my friends and family because I probably think that we're all so busy running our small worlds that we don't notice other people. We just uh, keep everything to ourselves. And during the moments when you can actually talk to someone else, you open up and you just you're present in in the time and you're not thinking about the future or reflecting on the past. You're just now, which I think is one of the greatest emotions that people can experience. I love that because I am into mindfulness. And if I heard you correctly, for you, a lot of people are distracted or busy in their day-to-day They don't pay attention to other people. They don't have time to connect with them. But when you socialize, whether with friends and family or especially meeting new people, you have that experience of being totally present in the moment, not thinking of the past or worrying about the future. And you experience people, connect with them and socialize with them. Did I understand correctly? Yes, that's totally right. Tell me more about that. How do you experience people? Do you feel their energy? Is it that you focus on how they have overcome adversity in their life? Is it that you're interested to know their what their hobbies and interests are and why they like them? So maybe it inspires you to do something similar Or what is it about meeting new people that is fascinating, valuable, important, and interesting for you? It always fascinates me how different people's paths are and what what experiences brought them to the point where they are currently. And I think hearing the story behind what you currently see is super significant because most of the times i would say we don't really care like about the history of others we only see the results but i think it's also super important to see like what are all the struggles and and maybe like great moments in life that people were going through i love that so in life as a more general way and perspective Are you fascinated with the process more than just the final outcome? That's a really difficult question. And I think I'm I'm interested in both. Of course, the process has to be enjoyable. And at the same time, it has to be effective. Because if you're just simply doing something with no purpose in mind, then like does does your activity really matter but if you can and like if you can definitely set some uh, goal then then your activity is effective and it's helpful to others i guess thank you and so i'm curious about something when you are doing activities and then you're thinking about the goal the reason etc Are you totally present in the moment when you're doing that? Or is it different that when you socialize, you're present, when you're being productive, you're thinking and about the past, the reasons, the future, the plan, the path, etc.? That is a super interesting question because actually during the last semester, I took a class on creativity and we explored the question of whether people... Of whether people live in the present moment or they like what, what's more important to live in the present moment or to uh, think about the future and set certain goals and like there is no no definite answer for this because 
well, could you, okay, let's just erase all of this. Uh, could you repeat your question again? Because I think I'm going too, too far and not in the right direction. No, I love that direction, though. I mean, really, it's a fantastic direction. It reminds me of Osho. And in reality, there is more of an answer, which is that life is variance and you're very smart. So you understand the statistics of it and that outliers are a lot more common than we expect. And often, you know, our plans are not really what gets us results. It's often some surprise, good luck or deviation from the plan that opens the next chapters in our lives. Did you notice that in your life? Do you agree or do you believe? No, every important thing in your life, it was planned from the beginning without many deviations. Definitely not. Speaking about the war, if, if it didn't happen, I would never move to Kiev and then I would never participate in the flex problem, which would probably make me not want to go to the United States to study at Harvard. So I think my life path would be definitely a different one if that like big event in our in over all of our lives didn't happen. Thank you. And let's return to living in the moment versus living in the future or the past, etc. There is in psychology this idea that this really comes to either self-trust or faith. That if you trust yourself that you can deal with anything, then you don't have to plan ahead because you will respond appropriately and therefore you believe that you can be okay and safe living in the present moment without anticipating anything or faith, which is believing in destiny and in higher power and that things will turn out to be okay and etc. But people who either don't believe that they can adapt and do whatever, maybe because of past trauma or past proof that they weren't good enough. They need to prepare in order to stack things in their favor. But by preparing, they're reinforcing to themselves that I'm not good enough or they don't believe in destiny or anything. So they believe, well, if it's all up to me, then I cannot really be safe because it means that uh, things are too chaotic. What are your perspectives on this? I don't want to be a hypocrite and to say that I don't think about my future and I don't have certain plans in mind. But at the same time, I like at certain moments, I do think that being present and feeling the moment is super important. I've heard a really nice phrase, which was like one of my professors said, if I knew what I was going to do in 10 years, I would probably do it now. And it really like made me think about this. Like, actually, if you if you have like certain plans, why don't you just like make it happen right now at this moment? At the same time, in the world of super achievers, particularly in my university, we have to have a certain plan in mind because like like now I understand that in just three years, I'll need to have a job. I'll have to earn some money and without without like having a certain educational living path, I won't be able to achieve any of this. Yes, and I agree with you. Plans are in particular or vision is really important for knowing your priorities and knowing what to say no to. Or to think like that quote from your professor, it reminds me of the Steve Jobs uh, speech at uh, Stanford, I recommend you check it out on YouTube, where for hindsight 2020, things seemed to him like there is a clear path. But when he was going through it, it seemed random that life, for example, he went and took a class on calligraphy and didn't know later it will influence the design and uh, of the Mac it, and the, the things that were included in it. But to ask you then on a more spiritual level, since you spoke about presence, I don't know whether that comes from good emotions and pleasure, or are you into spirituality? Do you meditate? Do you do yoga? And even more importantly, which is relevant to our discussion, 
What are your thoughts about the idea of destiny? I'm indeed interested in yoga and meditation, but I can't say that I'm professional in this. I enjoy doing it with my mother because uh, she's keen on this. One second. <laughs> Don't you know think about it in that way. I love this quote that professionals are just beginners who refuse to give up. So there, there is no difference between you and the professional. The only difference is time and yeah. practice. So don't like denigrate yourself in that way. Just, okay, up to your level, you're, you're, you have familiarity with it. So tell me more. Tell me about your experience with your mother. And so what? You're a professional who just needs more time. Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I know. But if I'm not... Um, given all of myself to a certain activity, then I can't say that I'm I'm actually like a professional in it. It's not like I have to be super good. It's just how much time I spend doing it and like where on the priority list this activity is, I guess that's more like in this realm of thinking. But about spirituality, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a religious person, but I definitely believe in certain higher power and i know that like there there's something more than just humans making their own decisions there's always destiny tell me more about your thoughts and perspective on that higher power <laughs> that's interesting i like i haven't thought a lot about it i guess i haven't discussed it either but as humans we have to believe in something um, beyond our own actions because uh, if we make certain mistakes then at least we don't have to always punish ourselves for like making them we can just say that it was destiny at certain times at the same time uh, we can also say that it I don't know, like, okay, here comes the discussion about success and just luck. I I do believe in luck, but at the same time, I appreciate all the hard work that other people do. That's why I also believe in success. And it's, I don't know, there, I don't think that it ha there is a straight line between the two. There's like, there is a certain balance between both. Thank you. The ancient Venetians, they had this idea that success is 50% skill and hard work and 50% good fortune. So they will say that every time you take action, you're asking Lady Fortuna to spin her wheel and give you a decision mm -hmm. of good luck or bad luck in it. So I guess they already answered the balance for you, but then to ask you, and I love that answer, but I will ask something more philosophical. Okay. Do you believe in a higher power because it exists or because you need to believe it? Because I believe in it. There is another quote that I know, which says, if you, if you believe in something, then you don't know that it exists. And if you know that it exists, then you can't more can't believe in it anymore because you know it. So that's like I just I just know that it's I just believe that it's there, but I can't be one hundred percent certain. Yes, that's the definition of faith, and that's really interesting. I will ask you another thing. You mentioned super achievers, etc. Mm -hmm. About knowledge, I noticed something that. There is no like royal road to mathematics, <laughs> as the quote says, or there is no shortcut to knowledge. Like I can learn something now and I can think about it, but then maybe that same exact thing, it might take three years. And then at the end of reflection and like doing other things and returning, I think now I get it. It feels in my body like, yes, I get it. It's not in my head anymore. Do you, did you notice that or that you read a book like three years later and you're like, I can't believe they said this. This is so wise. Well, when you read it first time, it seemed, yeah, this is cool. Nice. I like it. But it's like a new book. Suddenly, it's only because you changed and evolved 
through the journey. So you have new eyes. What are your thoughts about this? And how do you find like the fact that you're overwhelmed with things to learn, but that the it seems to me, and correct me if this is wrong, the human needs time in order to truly understand. Or as they say, that there is data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. And that first you get data, and then it becomes information when it's uh, in context, then you understand the context. But when you really understand it, it's understanding. But when you add to it life experience, it becomes wisdom. What are your thoughts about this? I definitely think that it's important to connect dots and looking, reflecting on the past. And it happens all the time. Like, as you mentioned with Steve Jobs, who took the class in calligraphics and then he designed his um, typing, um, what it's like his letters. Uh, and I, I can say that it happened to me as well. Sometimes it happens with uh, like okay so for example in certain classes i learn about a prof- like i don't know a writer or just a famous person and then in other classes they mention him or her and i'm like oh yeah i know that person and i've read about their journey in life and it's so exciting for me because i don't know it's just like at that point uh, i thought like at, at the point when i had just learned about them I thought like okay like why would I need this fact and then later it it just seemed that I was more involved in the class and I, it was like more interesting to me um, but it, it, yeah I guess that's it thank you and since you're interested in psychology and you mentioned about connecting the dots actually there is a part of psychology which is about life narrative And the fact that stories, there are different events connected into a narrative, but the human, there there are cognitive biases like confirmation bias Mm -hmm. and recency bias, etc., where we pick events to create a narrative that made us think, for example, negatively or positively, and we discard all opposite um, data and events that don't work with that and therefore changing the life narrative by seeing other events that we have ignored and connecting them into a more empowering story is a better way to live. But within this, if you even look at emergence and chaos theory, which tells, well, you cannot really know cause and effect. (laughs) What you can do is put all the conditions in place and hope that the emergence of the result will come i don't know whether you studied uh emergence and all in biology yes you do that i think anyway what do you think about this the fact that connecting the dots but our life every day there are so many events that we could connect our life into a million different stories that tell totally different things and therefore, what is your approach to this? Are you like a postmodernist where you will say, then I will choose the events that make me feel the best and feel most powerful, and I'll create that life story and not accept what I was giving? Or what are your thoughts on the fact that the brain is always trying to confirm what we believe rather than see in reality when it comes to our own life story and connecting the dots? I think you're now describing cognitive dissonance, which happens all the time when people can't make sense of their actions. And if they made a mistake in the past, now they they do not want to accept that they committed one. Thus, they try to explain their actions in a different way. Uh, and it, it happens all the time because I think otherwise people would just self-punish themselves too much. Which is, which is harsh, and I don't think it's just because mistakes are super significant in our lives. We can't learn about them, and there are small deviations from our past that lead us to like it can be more success. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Yes, it's the uh, chaos theory butterfly effect that the butterfly somewhere 
in Africa, for example, batting its wings can create a tornado in Japan or whatever. You said those small deviations can lead to more success or not, or a totally different life trajectory. But then let's return to you. You love learning, knowledge, etc. Why? I really enjoy learning, but what really motivates me is that I can share the knowledge I receive with other people and I can make their life different and hopefully for the better. And of course, I can help others as well uh, with, with my skills that I obtain and with the knowledge too. So I think that's the main point of me receiving the education. Thank you. So imagine in a cruel world where you either can use your skills to help people or share knowledge, which one of the two would feel better and which one would you choose if you had to exclusively only choose one? Probably share knowledge because you can do much more. You can you can influence people in a much more significant way if you share with them your knowledge so that they can help others. Yes, leverage. So why is that helping people and impacting more people? Why is that significant for you? Probably because I consider myself a leader who wants other people to succeed following probably my example or doing something different from me, but still like at least getting some information, some benefits from like looking at me, looking at my paths and at my success. Thank you. And what is the meaning of leaders? A person who can, uh, a person who can set an example to other people so that they can follow it and achieve their goals and become better people and receive more benefits out of it, I think. Thank you. Tell me about travel, because maybe it's a way also to expand your horizons. And hopefully it was before the whole pandemic. Do you have a favorite place that you visited? How was your experience of maybe first time traveling? How was that? I think probably my favorite place to visit is the United States because uh, I have, I almost have a family there, my host family, who I stayed with for a year. And then I actually, in one year, I came back to stay with them for six more months because we just love each other and they really miss me. So like that country resonates with me because of the people who I met there. At the same, also to describe my first traveling, oh, it was, I traveled to Sri Lanka and it was an incredible experience because when I was 10, I couldn't really... I couldn't possibly know that other people had a different life from mine. And it was the first time that I saw that many people lived much less wealthy life, much less sustainable, and they couldn't, they didn't have the same opportunities that I had. And it made me more sympathetic to people. I think it was it was a great experience in a way that it changed my certain values because I realized that helping others can can change someone's life. Thank you. It seems to me travel is about people more than anything, correct? Yes, and exploring their culture, their ways of living, maybe their ideas and perspectives on certain things. And is that similar to conversations? where you understand people's journey, the how they overcome problems, how they achieve things, etc. Yes, I would say it's pretty much similar. But you can't possibly get to know another person by simply having a conversation with them. At the same time, when you travel to a certain place, you can 
you can see yourself, you can immerse yourself in the in a different culture. You can see like how how actually people live it, and I guess it's more impactful. Thank you. So, can it be that travel is a form of bigger conversation or like the process of discovery in socializing or in traveling is about more about discovery than other things? I think it's a, I would say it's a form of, uh, of having another more meaningful conversation because, okay, when you see all of the differences between the country you travel to and your country, then you can, like many questions rise in your mind and you can, you can ask them from that person who, who lives there, for example. Thank I, I don't you. know how meaningful that was or significant, so sorry. Doesn't matter. It's because you're saying it, it's your truth and therefore it's, meaningful and significant just because of this it doesn't need to be qualified why did you choose integrative biology what motivated that choice i want to study genetic engineering particularly i would love to become either a policymaker for the proper or ethical use of the new technology or to become the lawyer in a corporate firm who advocates for the proper application of this new tool. That's why uh, integrative biology is a field where I can explore genetic engineering more because actually like at Harvard, there are multiple biological concentrations, but none of them particularly includes genetic engineering and integrative biology includes many biological studies from which I can choose particular things which I would love to pursue. Thank you very much. And as a student, I'm really sure any students listening will be curious about your routine, the way you are productive, studying, planning your days, how do you manage your energy and sleep and rest, etc.? Can you describe your day, your week? How do you plan it? How do you go about it? How do you make sure to prioritize and to not burn out and other things of this nature? I think this year has been totally different from the normal years in, of in-person education. But to describe my remote education experience and to tell about my typical day, I would say that usually I keep I keep a strict Google uh, calendar schedule with all of my classes and all of the meetings that I will have for the following week. Then during uh, the during my spare time, spare of classes, not of homework, I actually do my homework and. Sometimes I find free free moments and during those I enjoy having a conversation with my parents actually or like going on a stroll or or like eating is important sometimes but sometimes I skip a meal or two just because I have so much homework and about burnout I guess it's really important to understand, to set priorities on what is what is significant to you and what is not. For example, in this past year, I knew that I wanted to be in to be a perfect, a stellar student. At the same time, I also figured out that it wouldn't matter if I if I lose a couple of a couple of points and certain assignments because at the end I would still get an A. Maybe it's it wouldn't be 100%, it would be like 95 or 94, but at least I had some spare time to spend with my family or with like just taking care of myself. Thank you. And what does it mean to be a stellar student? What is required to be a stellar student, 
What is different between an average student or even a good student and a stellar student in what they do and in other things? I would say the main difference is that, at least for me, a stellar student is the one who strives for perfection, not because not because of the need of being perfect, but rather because... <laughs> Because receiving the knowledge is enjoyable for that person. Because uh, being a stellar student will be more impactful and more beneficial to that person and the other who surround him or her. Thank you. And you said you took a class on creativity previously. Yes. Are you into art or writing or poetry or painting or dance or any of activities similar to that i'm not really but i really enjoyed the class that's probably why i took it because most of my curriculum is all about sciences and math courses and psychology and this was a great deviation from the norm and i think what was really interesting for me to see is that it perfectly connected with the rest of my courses because people usually perceive creativity as something related to art, but it's not. Like, you can be creative in math when you figure out a new formula. You can be creative in just your regular life when you make a different decision than you would typically make. Or you can be creative in... I don't know, any any field of science is super creative because every day you do an experiment and you try different approaches to it. You make different versions of reagents and you attempt to produce a different result, a distinct result from the rest. Thank you. And therefore, if we consider those two separate approaches, which one will fit your personality more? learning knowledge that already exists and absorbing it or doing experiments being creative diving into the unknown to discover a new hypothesis and something new rather than learning what is and i know both are complementary but imagine they had to be distinct how would it go if they were distinct then i would definitely choose the creative path just because it's I think that influence is super important for me. That's why only by making something new can you influence others rather than by simply absorbing, which I think is also a little bit selfish because if you don't if you don't share the information and if you share the information then you definitely change it in some way and you become creative. So if you're not selfish then you're creative. Thank you. And I love that distinction that if you're not selfish, then you are creative. And you mentioned multiple times influencing others. What does that really mean specifically for you? How is the way that you see yourself or aspire to influence others specifically? I don't mean like by doing X, Y, Z, but what is influencing others that to you is the appealing thing? For example, I want to connect my life with genetic engineering, specifically with policies behind the use of this technology. I strive for being an ethical person and for providing proper proper rules for the use of this technology. Because if we use it, correctly then we can change like lives of many people by for example like treating multiple diseases such as cancers hivs malaria and others then we can also attempt to design babies which is a really complicated issue but at the same time i don't i think it's inevitable and it will happen that's why like regulation is super important and influence on other people is the way to help them, but in a more ethical and probably correct way. 
which like correct is not is not a great word to use here because it, it doesn't have a clear definition of what's correct because it can be different for distinct people. Well, that's why I want to ask you who defines ethical. I mean, you want to correct. I notice you use ethical now so far four times. So what who defines ethical? What is ethical? And can we be like Nietzsche where we move beyond what is good and evil, as he said? Yeah, yeah. ethicality is not a universal term, so I, I don't even know who defines it. I think we are, use moral values and norms to define the world, the word, but that's a really difficult question to answer. Okay, Krishna, you said we use norms okay so krishnamurti said it is not a measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society so in general thinking about society overall do you believe that the norms of society represent the best when it comes to ethics most of the time i would say so thank you I understand. So you think about crowd consensus as a great measure and definer of what ethical is, correct? Not okay. Okay, that, again, like I don't think there is a, a black and white. There is there is always gray area somewhere in the middle. So like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that all of the norms set by our modern world are correct and they're like they're ethical at the same time i would say that most of them are like the notions not to kill not to steal not to um not to yell at other people like those are reasonable things that we have to avoid but like okay so here comes the concept for example that i've just recently became more interested about which is cancel culture which is so widespread in the united states right now and and the idea behind it is that people who don't believe in a specific way that a regular liberal society believes in they their opinions are discharged they're they're not considered and they're just avoided which i don't think is correct because all of the opinions are important in the dispute. We cannot improve if we do not consider the other side. And also, like, the other side might be indeed right, but we, like, we just can't see it right now. For example, like, in the past, the crowd thought that our Earth was flat, which is such a ridiculous idea right now. And pe but people were burnt alive in the past, so I, I don't think that the crowd is always correct, but in more general terms, like like certain rules um, as not to kill and others are reasonable. Thank you. And as you said, that it's important to see the other side, etc. When you learn something, do you always search for the other side or the counter argument to things so that you have a more complete and comprehensive perspective or is this mostly about this specific situation cancel culture and not a general way that you approach things i attempt to look at the other opinion because i understand that no one is perfect so neither neither am i and i really I really try not to follow the confirmational biases, but I guess sometimes it happens, especially with the current use of social media, which chooses the content that is appropriate to you based on your interests. And it becomes unavoidable just not to like look at your opinion again and again, but I, like, I try hard to look at the other side. Yes, I like that. And therefore, how did you, I mean, I remember you spoke about the importance of socializing. It seems to be important to you, people, communication, it, all that. 
During the quarantine and the pandemic, how did you deal with it? And do you have any advice for people who feel either fatigued from those lockdowns or stuck in life or even depressed because of that whole situation in order to deal with it better and to feel better and get well and emotionally balanced, you know? Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, the pandemic, and especially because I had to stay home and not not to go to campus, I was pretty much depressed because, well, I don't have I don't have my freshman year anymore at college, and I have only three years left, which is disappointing. However, I try to find good things, which is probably that I had another year with my parents. And I wouldn't, I don't think that I will have that much time during my future life just because I moved to another country. I'll probably find work somewhere over there or like, or maybe if, even if it's in Ukraine, it's still like I'm going to live separately from them. And it's, it's difficult for them because I'm their younger child and they love me so much. They don't want to let me go. So this was a great preparation for them this this year. That's why I would definitely say that if people feel fatigued from the pandemic, they need to switch their perspectives and maybe see something good that the pandemic brought to them. Maybe it's an it's an ability to spend more time with their family like I did. Maybe it's an ability to self-improve in certain ways maybe like do self-exploration or find the time for a hobby that you couldn't do in the past just because of the busy life yeah thank you then i'm curious because you spoke about a busy life and you mentioned previously that uh this lockdown or like virtual studying had a different schedule well when you'll need to commute to go to your classes and therefore you'll have less time how do you expect to arrange to do all the things you need to do whether your homework or finding time for conversations you're already skipping meals and you don't have to go and walk or commute to the buildings and etc how do you plan it Okay, so I will tell you this story that I've heard from one of the upperclassmen at Harvard. And he told me that usually you actually communicate with other people, whether it's like your fellow students or professors, during those commutes from one class to another, because that's probably like one of the most time-consuming activities outside of classes and homework that you have also people people try to set a time to meet during their meals so for example like you ask a friend to go to have breakfast with you or like to go to the city and have dinner whatever like you usually set those times yet he told me that you have to plan a meeting in like in a week or two weeks because everyone is so busy with different schedules and people just do not find the time that's why like keeping a schedule is super significant thank you so keeping a schedule planning using the times that could be downtimes, even walking in the hall to have conversations and to enjoy some human warmth <laughs> is very important correct yay And as a high school student, even before Flex, were you always uh, working harder to be uh, a stellar student? Or did the Flex experience contribute, change your beliefs and affect how you approach education possibility? And you saw that maybe you can get a lot more than what you could have thought before. I don't think that my perspective in education and its pursuit has changed and the way that I approach it. Uh, although 
there was a switch in my understanding of the practicality of Ukrainian education because usually in in my high school at home we learn everything theoretically and in the United States most of your classes are based on practicality that's why like because they're mostly focused on their future and how you can apply that knowledge in real life whether here like people people are super like fascinated with like just getting knowledge and amplifying it but they they don't have a clear understanding how they can apply it in their life for some way for some reason thank you that is very important to think about and as a final thing about life okay. if people like is there any advice or any words that you understood about life in general and getting the life people want or the person desires that you feel maybe most people don't realize or they need to be reminded of or to hear and can you share that now something about you that you see on the grand scheme of life and the world that allows you to be more of a super achiever than other people. I believe it's important to take risks and not being afraid of making a mistake because because mistakes can lead you to a different future and they can also become something of success. At the same time, I think as as I've mentioned in at the beginning of our dialogue being present in the moment is extremely important and even though we all have we all have plans and we all have like our our perception of the future we don't have we don't need to lose track of the current moment because we might just lose something super important thank you very much nika That was really fascinating. Thank you very much to everyone for listening to this podcast and thank you Aziz for making this happen. It was a great time and I really appreciate you doing all of this. You can find me on Instagram and my my handle is um, rudenko_nika. And also I would love to share with you one initiative that me and my friend Diana Sobolewa uh, are currently doing which is uh, the blog about uh, the application and uh, getting into the United States colleges so if you're interested in the application or you have any questions about it i think you should follow the link that Aziz will hopefully share and um uh, see you there bye thank you nika so much it was a privilege an honor a great time and i wish you a great day and thank you so much this, this was a lot of fun and actually like there were so many philosophical questions that i i have never discussed with anyone so if you ever have spare time you, you we should get in touch 